Welcome to It's a Grand Life. Did you know that in the United States alone, 2.4 million kids are being raised by their grandparents or other family members other than mom or dad? 2.4 million. It's a Grand Life is a podcast for those grandparents and kinship caregivers who are committed to making a difference for those kids. Grand families are in every neighborhood, every city, tribe, and territory nationwide. If this is you or someone you love, this podcast is for you. Our goal is to offer hope and resources to help you. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us wherever you get your audio podcasts and leave a review. Every new subscriber and review helps us reach others that need assistance. Welcome to another episode of It's a Grand Life. Hello, my name is Craig Nash. We'd like to welcome you to another It's a Grand Life and we've had many of our listeners or, or podcast uh, um, uh, viewers uh, request information on how do we deal with addictive behavior in our kids, in our grandkids, and, and how does that affect the little ones that we're trying to raise and, and to help them in this grand life. And, and you're just going to love our guest today. It, we have Madison Cross on with us, and she is with a group called CNS Healthcare, and they absolutely and unequivocally specialize in dealing with the, especially this dual diagnosis disorder. I'm going to let Madison get into to it with us and really explain um, all that goes on in this process. And and uh, Madison, I know you guys are so busy over at CNS Healthcare. We're delighted that you're here with us. And I know we had to move some things for you and I to get together here today. But what you're dealing with is so such a hot topic for our grandparents who are raising their grandkids. First of all, thanks for joining us. And, and then can you explain what you do at CMS Healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is having these conversations and, um, really spreading the word. Um, you know, we see that a lot with mental health and substance use, um, you know, ending the stigma. So, um, that's a great place to start. Um, so I'm glad we're having this conversation. Um, but my specific role at CNS Healthcare is I'm a supervisor of, um, an assertive community treatment team. So we are going out into the community, we're going into homes, um, we're essentially meeting um, individuals where they're at. So whether it's at the library or the gas station, um, we really wanna be able to meet kids and adults um, where they're at in the community. We wanna break down those barriers, um, transportation or other things that they might be experiencing. Um, that's kind of, you know, hindering them from receiving services. So we're out in the community and um, my team specifically um, is an integrated dual diagnosis team, which you had mentioned. And what that means essentially is that um, we're dealing with co-occurring disorders. So um, a lot of times in kids, you'll see substance use um, more as a secondary um, issue. So a lot of times they might be struggling with mental health. Um, this is in children and adults. Um, and then substance use is also something that comes into the picture and they're kind of, you know, dealing with both at the same time. So um, that's something that we see a lot in the community and that can be difficult to navigate because um, you have two pressing issues that you're, you're trying to sort through and figure out. Um, so that that's my role here is to help those individuals kind of navigate um, those two different areas that that correlate together. What um, what was very interesting to me, Madison, what you just kind of uh, 
hit on is that when most folks thinks of think of behavioral health, they're thinking of the patient going to see the healthcare professional in mm -hmm. some sort of setting. Yes. You folks are going in the field, you're meeting the patient where they are, and that's a whole new dynamic. And I think it's, I, I salute you for doing that because it's sometimes it's very challenging to consistently get in front of your patients. I know that I used to own a complex care management company where we would work with um, um, total healthcare patients, for example, that had two or three comorbidities that were in and out of the hospital. And if we could connect with them in their home and build a relationship and address any of the social determinants that may be driving these readmissions, we could really keep the patient healthier and reduce the cost of healthcare significantly. And is that what you're seeing as well by going directly to the patient's environment? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that, you know, we see with being able to do that is when we're trying to address all the systems in an individual's life, and, you know, if they were to just come to an office setting, we might not be getting the full picture. So we might not be able to see kind of what's going on in the home or what their home environment looks like, or um, do they have a safe place to sleep? Um, you know, is there food? Um, all of those things that might affect a child or an adult um, in their home environment, you know, we have a better idea of how to how to assist somebody when we can see all those different factors in their life and, and meet them where they're at in the community. And the the other thing that's interesting about uh, you, what the work that you do is you really supervise a team. You, you, it's not just a one individual or one specialty going out to see a patient. What type of specialties or subspecialties would make up your your homebound team? Yeah, so my team specifically, um, you know, we have three case managers, so those are all clinicians. Um, so if somebody was wanting to um, have those therapy sessions, those one-on-one -on -one sessions, um, we're trained in those. And then we also have a peer support specialist, and we have those all throughout CNS Healthcare, not just on my team, but that is a crucial component um, of CNS Healthcare is having those peer supports, because what that means is they have also experienced a mental health issue or a substance use issue in their life. And so they're bringing that personal experience to the individuals that we serve. And um, that can kind of take away that power dynamic of, you know, I'm talking to you or at you as opposed to no, you know, they've been with, with them in that experience. They've also experienced that. So um, that really, that really helps us connect to our individuals. Um, and then I also have a nurse on my team as well. And so she oh. is addressing the physical you know, components of somebody's life, making sure they're following up with their primary care. Um, if it's a child, you know, making sure they're getting those annual physicals. Um, and we'll go as far as to um, driving the child to that appointment or wow. the adult to that appointment and um, scheduling and, you know, helping them get a calendar, stay organized. You know, we're trying to bridge those gaps so that those resources become more available. So a continuity of care is a big deal, right? So you, you want to make sure that uh, with whether they're seeing your case manager or your peer-to-peer -peer support or what have you, or your RN, that there is consistent visits, that we're making progress in the care. And we don't care if we go to see them or they come to see us, but you, you want to really know what's going on in that patient's environment. And sometimes that's a handful. Right, you're you uh, and you, you're absolutely right. And when they when they the patient comes to your 
pristine clinical environment. It's totally different than you going to their house. And and now, does your um, does your RN help with medication management at all with the patients? And absolutely, and that's something CNS does as a whole. You know, we are all pitching in with the medication management side. So um, the RN plays a huge role in that. Um, we also have, you know, active psychiatrists and nurse practitioners and physicians assistants that are working here as well that are, you know, helping us navigate the medication side of things. But um, you'll see clinicians all the time going to people's home, watching them take their medication to make sure that they get that dose, um, especially if they're using substances, you know, they might forget or, um, are having a hard time keeping track of that. And so we have the staff um, and the support to, to be able to assist them with that and making sure um, that they're getting the correct medication. If they had an injection scheduled um, in the office um, or we could go to their house and give it there. So again, really breaking down those barriers to, to making sure that they get that medication that they might need. And our, our, um, are you seeing an increase in this whole dual diagnosis arena? Are you seeing where, and is, is one of the diagnoses by bipolar, for example, in this type of situation? Mm -hmm. Is that one that you would have as well as the, uh, um, uh, all of the uh, um, other issues with the, you, the other things you're wrestling with and, and the, the drug use and, and what have you? And, and do you have challenges with medications with this population? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we definitely face some challenges. Like I said, you know, when you give somebody their medication, essentially, they would be, you know, expected to take it. And um, sometimes individuals lose track of that. And they also have a lot going on. And so that that can be difficult um, for them to to remember to, to take their meds. But we you know, try to try to intervene in a lot of different ways. So those follow up appointments, um, you know, again, monitoring those medications and, and making sure we're out there and watching them take them and that sort of thing. So um, that could be helpful for, for individuals. So important, right? They, yes. I mean, they've, and do you ever find that with some of your, your dual diagno diagnosis patients that they're adverse to medication? They, they're, that they, you might have the greatest medication this side of the Mississippi, but they don't want any of it. And, yeah. and, uh, and you're, you and your team, you're just trying to get some normalization with the patient's uh, care and, and get, get some standardization with them. And, and they're just kind of pushing back on that. What do you do with patients like that? I think consistency is the biggest thing. So all the time, you know, when individuals even come to my team or refer to a different program in CNS, you might face that hesitancy at first. Um, you know, they might be afraid or um, ashamed. And we see a lot of that. Um, but if we're consistent and we continue to show up and we continue to let them know, hey, this is a safe space. Um, we're going to help you take care of these things in private. Um, what happens here stays here. Um, and once you provide that consistency, that starts to, to develop that trust between the, the two individuals. And especially when you have a team, then you might see individuals developing trust with a whole team. And that's what creates the change when they feel that they can trust the people that they're working with and that that's a safe place. So it might take three months to six months, you know, I've even had it almost a year where we keep showing up and, and we're wow. like, this person really just might not be budging or they're hesitant. Um, and then, you know, a year and one day later, 
um, they say, you know, I think I'm going to try to go on that medication or um, I'm really thinking I need to move out of this home environment and, and try that safer house that you were talking about. Or, you know, maybe I'll go to that domestic violence shelter that you've been mentioning. And so um, really just providing that safe space because a lot of individuals don't have that and, and they're not used to that type of support. So that's the support we're trying to provide. And I, I would imagine with that peer to peer um, element to your to your your team support that folks can't pull the wool over the eyes of over the peer-to-peer folks they've been there they've seen it all they've done it they're not just clinical you know and and that's got to really help improve the effectiveness of your team I would imagine absolutely absolutely I mean you know me personally I'm coming from more of a clinician standpoint and you know there are individuals where they're trying to have a conversation more about um, what's that feeling like when you are in the cycle of addiction and you can't get out you know what what's that like and you know we can relate and use our educational pieces as much as possible but having that peer support um, really you know shows them that they're not alone and other people have been going through this as well or have in the past and it also shows them look where you could be as well in the future if these are the steps you're willing to take you know you could be in a role that is educating folks and and uh, you know helping them through that process as well and 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 have a mission and a purpose to help others absolutely so when, when you're dealing with this dual diagno- diagnosis population, are you, when you're talking about medication management and different things with them, are you saying things like that? Like, look, if you get on the meds, we can get you stable and you can start to re-enter into society in a, as, as a, a, a normal transition and get your life back. Is, is that the main motivation for these dual patients? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're always coming from um, an education side of things and we're we're promoting independence within these individuals. So we want them to be able to do it. You know, we're not here to do it for them, but we are here to assist them with accomplishing those goals. So, you know, in our treatment plans and um, all of that, you know, those personal sessions that we're doing, Um, that's the goal is to how can we help you accomplish these things on your own when you get to that point. But having the patient stabilized is vital, right? It's it's absolutely. And, and those are reoccurring conversations. And so, yes, when you have a team of people, you know, reminding them that, you know, it's kind of that motivational interviewing piece. So, um, I might say something like, um, well, you know, three months ago when you were on your Medicaid or medication assisted treatment, um, you were doing things that you really enjoyed. I saw you go to the park and um, you even were riding your bike outside and you smiled more as well. Can you tell me about how you felt during that time? You know, did you feel different than you might feel now? And then they're starting to come up with ways that they felt better during that time. Right. And it's, it's reproviding that motivation. And so they can remember, you know, where they've been and where they can be in that stable place. That, that is just so good. So, I'm, um, you know, I talk to a lot of grandparents who are raising their grandkids and we, and uh, our situation for my wife and I, and, and when our, when our daughter who's dealing with a, a dual situation as well. Um, and I've talked to many, many grandparents whose kids are, 
They could be patients of yours because, in fact, they you could be supervising their care through your department because this is something we see all the time. But if you are at home right now and you have got a child that it perhaps is experimenting with drugs mm-hmm. and that you start to see things escalate, uh, you know, um, Madison Cross, when, when do you know to say, wait a minute, this is going beyond recreational, quote unquote, to where it's substance abuse and that where it triggers something from the behavioral health side where they need more than just a, uh, you know, a, a nice pamphlet, but they need to meet with your team to try and get their life together. What, when is, is that switch flipped is it, or is it different for every patient? be different for every patient and you know it can be hard to determine where somebody's at in that process so my advice or you know my team's advice essentially would to be the earlier the better you know let's work in a preventative way so um in a proactive way too um so for example you know our children clinicians if you get in with a children clinician um you you're following the same clinician throughout the whole process and you're able to talk about those things in a safe space so if somebody is you know using drugs and they're a child and um you know it's escalating let's have them talk to somebody about that you know why why are they using is it a peer pressure thing um is it because of things going on in the home is it because it's what their friends are doing there's so many different factors but providing that safe space and a safe adult um is huge and you want to do that as early as possible because sometimes we can see that gap um between um, individuals of a uh, older generation and the younger generation, not knowing, uh, maybe how to talk about those things correctly, or not knowing the right things to say when their grandchildren are struggling with that or their children, um, because times are different. Um, but you can kind of bridge the gap when you have a safe space to talk to somebody, um, because they can, they can help the family work through those things and, and be on the same page about what might be happening. And, and Madison and, uh, on top of that, what should we be looking for as parents of, of these grandkids that uh, might point to more drug use than just casual drug use? Or when when, when should we ad- address the, the uh, uh, potential for addictive behavior? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you could... You could see a lot of things start to happen. Um, maybe isolation, um, not being happy or finding joy in activities that they might have before. Um, You know, kind of withdrawing from social activities. So things in school or not wanting to go to school um, or not wanting to participate in extracurricular activities. Um, A change in mood. Um, You can see that a lot with children. So getting angry or lashing out or um, having a shorter fuse. those can all be signs signs to look for um, that lack of motivation. The lack of motivation. These are great things. Isolation. There's no joy in their life. They're withdrawing. They're moody. Wow, that's uh, um, that that could happen a lot with uh, adolescents at, at home. And and uh, and and you you toss on that the abandonment issues of the the, the parents are gone, and uh, there's all sorts of um, unfortunately uh, uh, potential triggers for. The need to, to chat with a professional like yourselves and your colleagues at uh, at uh, 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 CNS, but um, how big a problem is this the uh, uh, the dual d- diagnosis problem of the d- drug use as well as the behavioral health issues? 
Yeah, you mentioned that earlier, and I've been, you know, kind of thinking about that question. It, it is increasing, and um, I think the reason why, you know, for the most part, and with children, I think we see this more often. Um, with adults, it might be a little bit harder to identify, but when we're having a mental health issue and struggling with anxiety or depression or bipolar or schizophrenia or whatever it might be, you know, we are left feeling lost at times and um, it can be painful and it can be hard and sad to, to go through that process and very lonesome. Um, and then that's when you start to see the substance use, you know, what can I do to numb these painful feelings? Mm. What can I do to numb the fact that I might be different or that, you know, I might be experiencing something that I feel other people aren't experiencing. Um, and that's when we when we see that substance use component come in. And so it's that easy out. Um, but what people don't realize is that it, you know, is the easy out for the moment. But for the longevity it is not sufficient. To, to curing those issues. That's absolutely great. And I, I know we've spent a lot of time on uh, talking about your specialization of the of dual diagnoses, but what are some of the other um, issues that uh, CNS Healthcare treats for your patient population? We have so many programs. Um, we would be on here um, for a long time if I went through all of them, but you know, I'll start with the children's first. So we have, you know, infant mental health program, um, wraparound services, in intensive home-based services, outpatient, um, school-based services. So all of those things, again, are what we discussed, being in the community, being in the home environment, being in the schools, um, really trying to figure out all those systems in an individual's life and helping them navigate through that. Um, we also have a behavioral health program. So that's really addressing the physical health side of things, um, getting people linked up with doctors, nurses. Wow. Um, yep. And then we have the ACT program, which is what I'm over for adults. And so um, that's really an intensive adult program. So making sure that individuals are staying out of the hospital, staying out of jail and living independently in the community with those supports. Um, so those are just a couple to, to name off the bat. But but if, if folks were interested in finding out the whole breadth of your uh, treatments or specialization, they could go to cnshealthcare.org. Yes. Right? Yep, they could absolutely go on there. The website will list those programs. Um, and, you know, and if somebody really is interested in um, just even exploring those options, it doesn't even mean right. that you have to go through the process. But um, essentially, we would have people call the OCHN access line um, in Oakland County for us. And um, I'll throw out the number. It's 464-6363. Um, and that access line will set you up with somebody where you can discuss all the things you might be experiencing and going through, and they will put you in the right direction. So whether that be a children's service, whether that be a therapist, um, whether that be an outpatient service, whichever one it might be, they would be able to discuss those options with you um, and, and point you in the right direction. So, so if, if someone is interested in putting their toes in the water, they, they could call 464-6363 and, and talk to a healthcare professional about what they're wrestling with and, and get to, pointed in the right direction. 
And uh, and I, I do think you're 100% right. When I looked on your website, which is terrific, you have so many things that you address, which is great, but we do not have the time to go through each one. Or you and I would be here until Christmas. But I uh, encourage everyone, at the bottom of your screen, you should see the CNS um, web address, the CNS Healthcare web address, cnshealthcare.org. And uh, Madison Cross, we just just salute you for the work that you're doing in uh, in helping our uh, our folks stay out of the hospital and 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 get some normalcy in their life as they as they deal with behavioral health and also substance abuse issues. And, and we just salute the work you guys are doing. And and I hope you'll come back on again with any new programs you want to kick off and discuss and just continue to help our audience know what is current in the area of behavioral health and substance abuse treatment. So thanks so much for being our guest here on It's a Grand Life. Absolutely, thank you for having me, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today for It's a Grand Life. It's a Grand Life provides vital content, regulatory updates, and subject matter experts that are committed to supporting the 2.4 million kids and their caregivers from every neighborhood, every city, every tribe and territory nationwide. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Every new subscriber and review helps us reach others that need assistance. As caregivers, we are united in purpose. We are driven by hope while providing strength for today and hope for tomorrow. We are truly making a difference in while living the grand life. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, please reach out to us. But we'll see you next time for another It's a Grand Life. Thank you for joining us.